welcome to the Artist Appeals. This is Erin Sparler and I'm your host. In the Artist Appeals, we interview artists, crafters, photographers, and business professionals about the business of art. I hope you'll join us and enjoy the show. In this episode of the Artist Appeals, I'd like to introduce you to a gentleman that has so much experience and so much to offer and so many great tips and tricks about the business of art. He's the owner of the Gallery 33 Contemporary Gallery in Chicago. He's also a well-renowned and collected painter. He's the founder of Art Next Level, which is an online system and platform with resources for learning about business in the arts. And he's the host of the vlog, Breakfast with Sergio. So please help me introduce and join us as we have a fun and frolicking conversation with Sergio Gomez. Hello, Sergio. We did it. <laughs> we made this podcast work. I'm so excited. Hi, Erin. How are you today? Super excited to be here. I know we've been having a little bit of tech trouble, but you know what? Sometimes that's better because it warms us up to a great conversation. <laughs> right, right. We go through a crisis together. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. We figured it out. So good teamwork. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. So Sergio, I always start with asking people, my guests, about their artwork and what they make. And you make a lot. You are mm -hmm. not only an artist. And mm -hmm. by the way, your work is really beautiful. I was checking Thank it you. out online. Just to describe it a little bit, you guys, so you can get a visual, Sergio Gomez's work is this kind of abstract figuratism with like drips, kind of like urban street art. And then you've got figures, silhouetted and birds. You have a thing for birds on wire. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's right. <laughs> So you not only have all this gorgeous art, but you have your own art gallery in Chicago. That's you have great. a podcast. Mm -hmm. You have breakfast with Sergio. Right. And then now you have this online course too, Art Next Level. How did you come to this point where you're doing so much? Like, What was that defining moment when you were like, I have to do this. I just have to share all this with the world. Yeah, that's a great question there. And I think it was kind of a transition, you know, like everybody, I wanted to become an artist. And mm -hmm. once I started working as an artist, I always had that entrepreneurial spirit within me, you know, always wanted to create things. I would always be the one kid at school that, you know, okay, let's create a club and let's do this, let's do that, right? So cool. that didn't stop when I became an artist. So kind of like the next thing was like, well, I want to open my own art gallery. And yeah. so that was the next big step. Uh, that was in 2014, I was looking for a space. I found uh -huh. a, a beautiful space here in Chicago that uh, two Chinese artists, the Joe Brothers, were about to convert it into an art center. So oh. put my art, I put my art gallery right there. Uh -huh. 2014, it opened up. And uh, in 2010, there was an opening also to become a curator for the art center. So I became head curator and I'm still doing okay, that Okay, so you were, as well. you were curator first and then you knew you wanted to open a gallery. So you had a little experience. Well, no, the, the other way around. I opened the gallery oh. first. Oh, what a risk. I'm sorry. I said 2014. Actually, it's 2004. Yeah, not 14, 2004. Oh. So yeah, that's wow, why the math didn't make sense. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, you took a leap of faith. How did you... Right. 
if you don't mind me asking, mm-hmm. how did no, you yeah. fund that? Did you like save up? Like, did you take a loan? Like, did you just? That's a great wow. question. That's a great question because nobody has ever asked me that question. And well, inquiring minds want to know. Exactly, and that is <laughs> a great thing because when I wanted to open the gallery, all I had is a will. I had no <sighs> money. I had no contacts. I had oh my god, I had never run a business in my life. But I. <laughs> But I had friends, right? And I have right. the spirit of, we can do this. So what I did is, I what I normally do when I want to start something, I call people, I call four friends, say, hey, mm-hmm. do you guys want to start a gallery with me? <laughs> and uh, <laughs> we can uh, have a gallery and then maybe find a space that we can also have our studios right next to so we can be in the studio and also be at the so gallery. So they were artists too. Exactly. So I call them oh. up, they say, yeah, let's do it. And so my gallery now is called Territory Contemporary Gallery. Yeah. Back then... It was called 33 Collective because it began as a collective space, oh, yeah? kind of experimental okay. gallery space. Mm-hmm. And we call it 33, not because there were 33 artists, but because the four of us, we were 33 years old. <laughs> so, oh, <laughs> you guys were young. That's the magic number. Yeah. Three is the magic number. Yeah. Do, so do, if, do, three is the magic number. 33, <laughs> it is for me. Yeah. <laughs> so the cool thing is that, um, you know, eventually... As the gallery grew and, and we continued to, you know, to do, we were doing shows every month and became also more busy with the JBR Center. Eventually, mm-hmm. my friends, they loved the gallery, but, you know, I was the one who really loved the business part of it. Mm-hmm. So we departed and, you know, in good terms and, you know, they still show with me sometimes and stuff like that. But what we did is like, you know, I really wanted to take the gallery to the next level. Mm-hmm. And uh, so then that's when it became, I rebranded it as 33 Contemporary Gallery. Mm-hmm. And then my wife and I, we just took ownership of the gallery and mm-hmm. that, that has been there since. Right now, we focus on uh, figurative representational art since last year. And specifically because how things the world has changed in the art world, we exclusively sell online through Artsy. That's our, oh, yeah? that's our sales platform and it's going Artsy. great. Artsy. A-R-T-S-Y? Yes, Artsy.net, which is a... Oh, I haven't heard of them. Yeah, it's a platform for galleries only. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. You know, I saw you also sell an iCanvas, which seems to be a print yes. on demand. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. So that's kind of how it evolved, right? So kind of working with so many artists, that's kind of like what, as you asked me at the beginning, right? You know, why did I want it to start sharing is because I noticed a lot of the struggles, a lot of the things that I was, as I was working and curating and, and so on. And that's when the first step was to start a podcast. You know, that's, yeah. that was four years ago. And like, well, let me start a podcast. And then social media came around, you know, and you know what happened with social media. Oh, yeah. Blew up. Yeah. So, well, now I want to do a video show and I didn't have open time. So that's when <laughs> like, well, let's do breakfast. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So you stuffed it in. You made it happen. <laughs> made it happen. That's right. I think Breakfast with Sergio is one of the most intimate and cool, like, little video podcast uh, vlogs, as they call them now, that yes, I've watched exactly. in a while. Because you actually show us your food, what you're eating. And, like, <laughs> yeah. some days you're eating, like, fruit. Some days you're eating, like, a big, beautiful meal. Right, you know? right. Yeah. So intimate. Yeah, it is really my breakfast, you know, what, I, what you see in the videos where I actually eat. <laughs> and now it has been evolving, right? Because I see the trends and I see how the world's changing. So yeah. I started breakfast with Sergio two years ago. Now we are at episode almost to two fifty, but probably by the time this podcast is out, it's over two fifty. So Oh, that'd be awesome. We'll have to celebrate. Yeah, absolutely. I was doing the episode Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, right? And it would go A through lot. all my social medias. Yeah. So for twenty twenty I decided to change things around. 
Uh-huh. And I'm going to be doing, actually already started doing this, doing breakfast with Sergio Tuesday and Thursday. So instead of three times, two times, so people uh-huh. have more time to watch it now. There's, there are so many episodes. Yeah, right. And then in between have one minute video episodes, like little one minute video content. Like a rant. Exactly. But maybe just, you're not ranting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just, just... Hey, I got to ask you about your setup. So I'm a total geek, right? And yeah. I know artists are always struggling with like how to photograph their artwork and stuff. Mm-hmm. And with podcasting and photography, I do a lot of multiple exposure photography and mm-hmm. I do Enso paintings. And I've always mm-hmm. kind of like looked at how do you photograph your work and how do you have a setup when you're really busy? Mm-hmm. So do you leave your stuff set up in the kitchen? Like, is it just there and ready to go? Or do you mark off where you're going to put stuff with an X? Like your tripod goes here with an X. That's one little tip I use. I mm-hmm. put an X of tape on the floor where my tripod goes. Mm-hmm. Like how do you, you fit this into your day, but how do you set up for it? So for breakfast with Sergio, right? That's what, that's what you're asking? Yeah. Yeah. So the way I do it, it's very simple. It's all in my phone. I don't use it. Oh. And then I just went to Amazon, got one of those little mini tripod devices. Yeah, yeah. And I put it on my table because I want people to feel like they're on the table with me. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. And the only thing I have is the days that it's cloudy because sometimes it's really cloudy, particularly in Chicago during the winter. So I just got me a nice, those ring lights. And if I need it, turn that on. And if not, that's it. So you just use your iPhone on a gorilla pod, a little mini pod. And mm-hmm. then you use a ring light, one of those big ones or a little tiny one that goes over the lens? Uh, no, the big ones. Okay. And then yeah. do you use a mic? No. Nope. Uh, well, you know what? Sometimes I do. And I've tried I try it both with and without. And even without, yeah. it still sounds great because I'm very yeah. close to the phone and there's right. no noise. All right. So tip for you guys, you can do yeah. it with basic gear. Totally. Yeah, totally. But- Let's talk product though for a second. Like this actually is a good transition into product because... You are creating your podcast as a product, your vlog as a product, your Mm -hmm. online class as a product, your art as a product. Mm -hmm. So how do we turn our art into a product? Like Mm -hmm. what tips, tricks, advice do you recommend for looking at your artwork like a product? Yeah, I I like to think of it as more of a product as as the brand that we create around ourselves, Mm. right? Yeah. And when you think about a brand, you know, when I think of brand, it's simply the, how people see you, how they, they differentiate you from everyone else, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you and I have a podcast, you know, how do we differentiate a podcast from everyone else, right? And, and I think the way I have, you know, learned over the years is that just being more of myself. And yeah. this took me a while to figure that out because, you know, when I started the podcast or when I started the video, you know, you listen to so many podcasts and. I always hated my voice on microphone, and I still do. And I hate how it sounds. No, but you got that beautiful, sexy (laughs) accent. (laughs) But you know, when when you are when it's your own accent, and you're you're like, it's like, oh, you know, I grew up in Mexico, so English is my second language. So yeah, you know, it's it's kind of overcoming those fears and say, wait wait a minute, you know, it's actually as you just said, you know, that's what makes me memorable. That's what makes me who I am. So just embrace those things. Uh-huh. And so the brand became who I am, right? I, I want to be known for three things in my art career, three things. Okay. So one, I'm an artist. Yeah. So if you go to my Instagram, you'll see my art. Yeah. Second it's one. Beautiful. Thank you. I'm a gallery <laughs> and, curate, and curator. So uh-huh. if you go there, you will see also those things. And the third thing is 
I love to educate artists. So those are the only three things I want to be known for. In no particular order, some people would know me for one or the other. That's okay. But when yeah. you get to know me for one thing, then you'll discover the other two, right? Yeah. And so I learned that when I put all those three things as one umbrella, which is my artist brand, then they, mm-hmm. they can have different different compartments, right? Or as you can say, different products, if you will. Yeah. My art career, when I walk in my studio, I make, I'm very serious about my art. When I walk yeah. into my microphone, I'm very serious about what I'm sharing. When I yeah. click record on breakfast with Sergio, I'm very serious about what I'm doing, right? And, and, yeah. and having, having fun with it, right? And really trying to enjoy the life, career that I mm-hmm. have built around my art, right? Well, you know, I think that you've created a triumvirate. You, you've created mm-hmm. this triangle of things, education mm-hmm. and art and the gallery, and they all feed off of each other. And I think personally, right. I've been talking about multiple revenue streams a lot totally. lately. I believe on and that. And how as artists, you've got to have multiple revenue streams and one mm-hmm. drives the other, one feeds the other, when one's down, one's up, one's, you know, mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. so important. And I think a lot of times people tell artists to just like pigeonhole themselves, that they've got to do one style. Mm-hmm. Well, it's not that you have to do one style for the rest of your life. I mm-hmm. think it's that you've got to have multiple revenue streams that are all within your brand, like you were talking about. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, totally. And, and I think it is, you know, more in the old days, I remember when I went to art school, you yeah. know, it was like this idea of, okay, you go to art school and then you graduate and then you, uh, you, you do one thing. And like you said, right, you work in your studio, maybe you're- Yeah, you like a you're a fine artist. Or- yeah, but exactly. you're never a commercial artist or you're a graphic designer, but you're not a fine artist. Exactly. So the, it was very narrow-minded thinking. I think now today, that's, that's what makes me so excited, right, is that there's no one way to be an artist. Uh, there are multiple yeah. ways of being an artist, right? And yeah. you just have to pick one and <laughs> not uh, complain about the others. Yeah. You know, I got once told by, um, in grad school, I had a professor do that old quote at me, mm-hmm. um, master of all trades. Jack of all trades, master of none. <laughs> yeah. But you know, that's not a real quote. It's only part of the quote. Uh-huh. What's the rest of it? It's a jack of all trades, master of none, but sometimes is better than one. Ah, there um, you go. <laughs> I believe that's the correct quote. I'll put yeah. it down there, down below you guys at the bottom of the podcast for you. That's but awesome. yeah, it's, it's, people use it as an insult nowadays, but that's yeah. not how it was meant. No. And, and you know what, Erin, I think also, when it, come, when it comes to that, it's also self-awareness of what are you capable of doing, right? Some yeah. people can do three things, right? Others can't. Others can you just do one, right? So yeah. it's not trying to be like somebody else. Just because I do three or four things, you know, doesn't mean that that's what I'm telling everybody they need to do, right? And you don't have to do them like all exactly. at the same time. Exactly. You can build. Exactly. And, and there are seasons and, there, and, and I love... Talk about multiple income streams, totally, right? Absolutely. And, and, and you can plan that throughout your year. Right. You know, I love your talk about seasons. I, I don't know mm-hmm. what podcast number that is, but you were talking about the seasons, seasons of your life. life. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I remember you saying something about, you know, sometimes you have kids and you can't do as much. And, you know, like right. that's kind of the season I'm in. I have two young yeah. kids. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, you just build on things. So you start with one right. thing. You started with your gallery, and then you mm-hmm. built and built. You were saying that you did some live presenting and, and educating. So actually, that mm-hmm. is a good transition into our next topic, which is presentation. Mm-hmm. And I'd love to hear your tips and tricks about presenting your work in the best light and 
what makes it faster, easier, better? Yeah. So for presentation, you know, for example, as a as a gallerist and as a curator, the when I'm looking at an artist, I'm always you know, the thing that we have access to is the images that the artist puts out, right, in social media, in their website, and, you know, when they submit to calls for artists and mm -hmm. things like that. So if the artwork is not presented in a way that is true to your work and it is at the best standards of today, mm -hmm. then you are losing already, you know, from the get-go because yeah. there's no excuse for anyone to put a bad picture out there. There's really no excuse unless, you know, just being careless. But yeah. An artist who wants to build a clear brand, as we were talking earlier, it's, uh, a brand is about how people see you, right? right? And you were saying you use your iPhone for vlogging. I mean, yeah. with the iPhone 7 Plus and above, you've got yeah. three gigapixels of, you know, mm -hmm. of, you can basically, at a 7 Plus and above, you can print an image out up to 13 by 19 with clarity. Yeah. So. Yeah. Here's a cool story about that. Like, uh, about yeah, that. hit me. Three years ago. We were preparing for a show. So this was a graffiti artist who just happened like the week of the show, he came out with a whole body, new body of work, right? What? So it's like, so like, oh no, you know, we were installing like, I don't have these pictures in the catalog. So I just took my phone, got yeah. really good light, took really uh -huh. nice pictures, sent them to the printer and they came out beautiful. Nobody wow. can believe that those were iPhone pictures that they see in the catalog. What iPhone was it? Uh, that was like, that was like the seven, I think, or something like that. I can't remember. But, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's amazing. It's, it, yeah, good light. As long as your phone doesn't move, that makes mm. it the whole difference. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Don't let it move. So tripod, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, just a simple tripod. Yeah. Yeah, sharp. You want it sharp. And that means good natural lighting and mm -hmm. and hold it still. You know, you can yeah. use a, um ironing board as a tripod because it goes up and down, right? Oh, a couple that's a of idea. books, laying yeah. your phone up against it. <laughs> <laughs> Actually... Last Sunday, I was recording a video because I, I went to the gallery for a few minutes. So I'm like, yeah. I'm always looking for a new opportunity to record a one minute thing here and there. So I'm like, you know what? I have my tripod, but I forgot the adapter. So I just took duct tape and I just duct tape my phone <laughs> to the thing. <laughs> Brilliant. I love it. Duct tape solves everything. <laughs> everything. It worked out. It was great. Uh, so the next step in the appeals process that we always go through is educating and not mm -hmm. educating yourself, but educating your audience with story, because mm -hmm. that's what people want to, that's what people really want when they want to buy artwork is they want to buy into a story, mm -hmm. either maybe the story of, of how the work was made or what it represents or the emotions or, or maybe they want to be an artist for a minute or two. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Maybe they want to live vicariously. How do you? like to educate your audience to the benefits of your work? I mean, we've talked a lot about it, but how do you be consistent with it? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. How do you keep your story consistent through three different brands, essentially? Mm -hmm. I love the story part because uh, I believe, you know, the whole world moves around stories. You know, when you think about the only place that you turn your phone off is at the movie theater because you don't want to lose any part of the story, right? Oh, so, yeah, that's so true. Yeah, stories connect us all. Yeah. So, and I tested this on my website. If you go to my website right now, if you go to sergiogomezonline.com. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> Which one? <laughs> yeah, yeah, the, the Sergio Gomez one, my my uh, studio website. The first tab that you will see, it says my story. And mm -hmm. I tested this for now three years. It is the most visited page on my website straight year after year. Even more really? than it's like It's like the jumping point. So that means people are attracted to a story, right? Yeah. Because a lot of times by the time they 
in the way the world works today, by the time they hit your website, they have already seen you in social media. That's probably how they got to your website from the first place. So if you have, if you make that more personal, you know, with your story and my story, I'm not meaning like my bio, everybody has a bio, but this is like an actual written, like if I'm talking to you and telling you my struggles as an artist, how I have overcome my struggles. And then at the end, I have a call to action at the end of my story says, Hey, you know, if you connected to this story, I think you will enjoy my work, you know, click here and, and, and enjoy or drive me a message or, you know, things like that. So that's a little call yeah. to action of the story. And that has, it has even given me shows, that little story. Um, really? I had a curator in Michigan who invited me for a show. And I always like to ask when I'm doing a show, how did you hear about me? You know, how did you find out about me and so on? So I asked him at the end of the show, so how did you hear about my work or how did you find my work? So I said, well, I first found you online, started following you. Says I went to your website, I read your story, and I really connected with it. And I right. said, you know, we have to have his work here. So stories sometimes, sorry, sometimes we think like, ah, oh, nobody's reading it. They people who are interested, they will read it. Or they say, well, my story is too boring. Well, we feel it's boring because we are living in it, right? Mm. And uh, everybody's story matters in the world. And you'll be surprised when you start telling bits of your stories in your post, in your social, in the things that you do, that people begin to connect with you, right? That's yeah. pretty much the bottom line, yeah. I really love that tip about how your most visited page is your story, but that it's not a bio. Yeah. Did you right. follow like the um, Two Heroes Journey format or any sort of format for telling your personal story? Did you use anything to help you? Yes, for sure. There's a little bit of that, right? Story Brand. I follow Story Brand podcasts and I hear it a lot. And Oh, um, cool. That's a great podcast, right? Yeah, yeah, totally. And so, yeah, they talk about the hero and the story. So, yeah, I, I, that's how my story begins, you know, and uh, tells about my struggles and then mm-hmm. how I overcame the struggles. Oh, I love it. Because sometimes in the story, you know, we think, oh, I'm just going to write my bio. I was born here. I went to school here. You know, people don't care about that unless it's a curator who's going to do a show of your stuff, you know, mm-hmm. who cares, right? What people want to know is how does that become your story? You know, what happened yeah. when you went to school? You know, what did you discover? Well, you know, what was your biggest obstacle after school? We all have them. Mm-hmm. That's what makes a good story. Um, yeah. Not just the facts. Well, that's what people can relate to is struggle and overcoming that struggle. Totally. It, yeah. It totally. inspires them and, and helps people. I really think mm-hmm. it's... Beautiful. That right. is so cool. I love that tip. I even, here's a second tip. I even tested this in social media. Oh, really? Yeah. So, and this is maybe a good little challenge for, for your audience, which maybe for your next post, you know, write your mini story of how you became an artist, you know, just really quickly include your struggles, mm-hmm. you know, and then make a post where it's you in front of your artwork. But at the beginning of the, of the post, when you're going to write the text, put a nice looking eye-catching emoji, like the red circle, you know. <laughs> That one, and then say, then say my story in all caps, uh-huh. and, and then write it down. I mean, or, or post, and then post it, and then right. uh, let Erin know what happens. <laughs> it's been my goal with all these interviews, all the research I've been doing, my whole academic career, to figure out how to make money with your art. And I imagine that that's probably what you're trying to do too, right? We all want to do something that we love for a living. Yeah? Totally. Who wouldn't? Who wants a dead-end job? So, after all this research and all these interviews, I've discovered four secrets, the four top secrets to 
making money with your art. And now I have a 12-page report outlining the four top secrets to making money with your art. You can download this guide for free at howtomakemoneywithyourart.com. That's right, I got that domain name. So just head on over to howtomakemoneywithyourart.com, all spelled out, no numbers, and get your free report on how to make money with your art. Hey, you have this, this small works challenge you where you challenge people to post on social media and you walk them through a couple yes. of weeks of step-by-step, step, do this this week, do this next week, mm-hmm. blah, 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 blah. You want to talk about that? That's a yeah. really cool thing. Totally. So we did that in the, that is over now. We did that in the, in the fall of 2019 leading mm-hmm. to Christmas Yeah, time. I was in there. <laughs> okay. okay, great. Awesome. <laughs> so, so you know how it works. So the whole idea was... I sold some. I sold some pieces. Super. Yeah. It's the whole idea of creating momentum, right? Yeah. And using, using the opportunities that are out there, which in this case, end of the year, Christmas time, to uh-huh. also offer a collector base that maybe you are not thinking about a whole lot, you know, which is maybe a person that can buy a small artwork or a small print or a small mm-hmm. drawing. Because a lot of times we're like, oh, well, you know, I really want to sell the big stuff. But what happens is, Somebody may come in for a small drawing today and then five mm-hmm. years from now they get the big house and then like, oh, now I want Aaron's bigger painting, right? Yeah, because they have a bigger wall. Like, that's the story of my life, exactly. <laughs> the story of your life, people getting bigger walls. <laughs> <laughs> no, but people coming in and for the small things, right? And then you keep them hooked with your stories, with what you do. And so yeah. they're getting excited to have one of your original pieces. So yeah, so we kind of have transitioned from kind of course-based to more challenge-based because I think it, it kind of has more of a, that uh, engagement with the community because everybody's doing it. And the fun thing is that I do the challenge myself. So right now we're doing business growth challenge. So I do the mm. challenge myself too. So I'm not just teaching it, but I'm doing it. And Yeah, uh, I think that's really cool that you do it along with them. I'm part of the, yeah, yeah. <laughs> part of the fun is that too. Yeah, well, you know, that's a way to automate. So the next step in the Mm -hmm. appeal system is automating, amplifying, getting bigger. You know, we Mm -hmm. don't have hours and hours and hours to spend on social media. So you've got to have a plan. You've got to have a way to automate some of this outreach. And I love your your challenges. What Mm -hmm. are your favorite, like, ways or apps that you use to make this more streamlined, to make mm-hmm. it faster and easier and to post consistently? Absolutely. I think I love apps, you know, just like you, I'm a geek on, on techie stuff. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Beam me up, Scotty. Exactly. Why is my darn transporter? Come on. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's 2020. For example, look, I'm looking at my phone right right now, so I can tell you exactly. The so the one app that I highly recommend and I use a lot for my hashtags on Instagram is yeah. smart smart hash. Ooh, smart and then hash for hashtag. No, it is great, and uh, I connected with the founder on Instagram, and uh, I'm trying to to uh, you know get him in the podcast. So he's great because so this app what it does is um, it looks at your hashtags that you're using, yeah. and then as you use them, it's gonna tell you which ones are more relevant, which ones are actually working for you, and which ones are not. Oh, that's so, brilliant. 
that is amazing. And just just for that, I use it. I love it. It's not free. I think you can try it for free, but I don't remember how much it is, but it's not expensive either. Yeah. And uh, it's totally worth it. And also it has a little kind of connectivity thing that you can also reply to messages and things within the app. So that's kind of oh, fun too. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. But just the hashtag part of it is great. So you, you create high, different hashtag sets. Yeah, so up to co- 30 in Instagram. Yeah. So you can put a hashtag. I have hashtag sets for my art, for my breakfast, for quotes, for different things. And then oh, and you store them in Smart Hash? Yeah. Oh, that's nice. Because I've been keeping mine in Evernote. And then I just reuse the same ones over and over again. And who knows if they're actually working? No, this, this app will tell you exactly what's working. So for example, I, I'm looking right now, art one and art two sets. So I can it's by color. So the gray ones are not doing anything. Then there's yellow, orange, and red, right? So the ah. red ones are the ones that are hotter. Huh. You can just click on those. I can pick like 10, 15, and then uh-huh. click a button that says copy, and it will copy them. They just paste them. Brilliant. So it's visual too. We like That's visual. Totally, yeah, exactly. I really highly <laughs> recommend that So for, for Instagram. I use Planoly. I don't know if you use that one for scheduling posts for my gallery. Yeah, yeah, I've used that one in the past. Mm-hmm. Because for me, there's a few accounts that I, so I have to manage my account, uh-huh. art level, and the gallery, right? So Ooh. my account, I do that, my art account, I do that manually. I don't pre-schedule anything, but all the other accounts, I do pre-schedule. Okay, that makes sense. Do you time yeah. them with like marketing events? Do you time your posts for the business and stuff with different holidays and sales holidays that are going on? Yes, uh, not specifically. I time it with what I want to push right at a different different time. So, yeah. for example, if I have a release of a new body of work, then I will do a whole kind of like with, for the small world challenge. You know, I'll do a whole campaign around that. Uh huh. And those are the things that I, I plan. Yeah, I think that's really cool to, that you plan all that. You know, that's something that I found really hard mm-hmm. getting into the arts world was, and with the change in social media, mm-hmm. is. How do you manage it all? Well, you got to come up with a plan. And they really don't teach you that in college or grad school. They no. don't teach you how to come up with a plan for marketing, right, marketing plan. Right. Exactly. No, and because the world has changed. So it, yeah. you know, and it continues to evolve. And that's the thing, you know, you can buy a, you can go to the store, buy a marketing book on social media. And yeah. probably it's already some of that stuff is already out, <laughs> you know, outdated because yeah. it changes so fast. Yeah, no doubt. So do you do Facebook pages too? So you're mainly on Instagram. You found that to be the most, I mean, that's a beautiful visual app. Do you do Facebook too or what other platforms? Yeah, so you can find me on, on Facebook. Of course, uh, we have a Facebook page, my Instagram, LinkedIn. I have a pretty good uh, follow on LinkedIn and also Twitter. And I uh, just started using TikTok as well. And what do you post to those? Like, do you post different stuff or you post the same stuff? It depends, right? It depends what it is. So for example, all the the one minute mini videos that I'm doing right now, those go in all the platforms, but I would change maybe the way I talk about them in the little post, right? Like the description. You'll change exactly. the description. Sometimes a little bit, yes. For Instagram, it's just a little bit more business related. So a little more serious on Facebook might be more fun. Instagram kind of fun too. But you're reusing that one minute vlog yep. that you did. Exactly. Yeah. Good. Okay. And when it comes to my art, I do the same. Learn as an artist, if like yesterday I just released two new paintings. So uh-huh. I, I went to Instagram, I released them on Instagram. I did uh, stories with it, uh, announced it on stories. Then I went and I took the same images with some of the same information, put it on 
my Facebook page, put it on my personal page, went to LinkedIn, did the same, went to Twitter, did the same. Okay. Yeah. So you put it everywhere. Do you ever use yeah. like, um, have you heard of Meet Edgar? Yes, of course. Yeah. I've used it before too. <laughs> yeah. I've been using that one for iConnect Crafts recently and, and yeah, uh, the Artist Peels. Those are nice. I like What I like about Meet Edgar is that you can repurpose some of the old posts. Yeah. Right. And here's the thing, like sometimes artists think like, let's say you, you, you know, you might be over over posting or overdoing. And, and in the world today, because of the way this, the algorithms work, it's almost impossible to really overpost. Ha. Because as you as you know, you post today at 5 a.m. Maybe you post at you know you post four or five times a day if you want. You know the algorithms is going to make sure <laughs> that not everybody's going to see it. So yeah, that's a really great point. You know. Certainly, we know with Twitter that your stuff just is gone within Thanks. five minutes, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, even Facebook, five mm-hmm. minutes and it's it's way down. And who's going to scroll that far, you know? Exactly. So I think it's great advice. Yeah, don't be afraid to, to post, particularly if you have something coming up, right? You have a show coming up or you just release a new painting or a new sculpture or whatnot. You know, make a big deal about it and yeah. share it with your, your audience. Yeah. yeah, and reuse your content. Make your life easier. Use totally. the same stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, do you plan that out in like a spreadsheet or anything, or you just know, okay, I've got this picture today and I put it all down these? Right. When it comes to, yeah, I plan the other ones, the business part of it, but when mm-hmm. it comes to my art, that one is more on a spontaneous way. You yeah. know, as things happen in the studio, as new work is done. I'm curious about your quote, I'm making air quotes here, releases. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's a term that is so loosely defined. What do you consider like a release? Do you wait until you have a collection done and then you just give hints coming up to it? Or, or you know, do you call a release like when you're going to exhibit it in the gallery or when they're dry? Like what, what constitutes a release? So to me, a release is not nothing else than an excuse to make a big deal out of something. <laughs> right? So, so for example... And we're going to make a big deal about this podcast when it comes out, right? So that'll be a release. Yes, yes. So, so for example, like the two paintings that I just finished in the studio. So what I did, you know, I I was taking pictures of the process. I would put them in my stories on Instagram and also on my Facebook stories. And then I would say, you know, pretty soon as when they're done, I'm going to do a release so you can see the finished product. And so I actually, yesterday was my release date and I went and, you know, photographed the artwork nicely. Mm-hmm. make sure that it was perfectly beautifully done and um, mm-hmm. it was ready then i started sharing them to all my social medias also some details and things like that so yeah call to action these are for sale these are for sale of course mm-hmm. and there will be also a, a second release of um, available prints for these two one of the best pieces of advice i ever got was i was at this conference selling mm-hmm. um my craft products to make these little craft kits i connect crafts okay. little movable animals and this guy next to me was a salesman and he's like so do you ask for the sale i was mm-hmm. like what what's that <laughs> this was years yeah. ago and he's like your cta do you ask for the mm-hmm. sale and i think it's something that artists aren't taught is to ask for the sale and they right. or use a call to action you know that's mm-hmm. what the abbreviation cta is is call mm-hmm. to action You've got to let people know that your work's for sale, right? Right. I always say that uh, just because you post it doesn't mean people know they can get it. <laughs> right. It's true. You're scrolling. You're just looking, right? Yeah. Something catches your attention. A lot of artists, what they do is they post the picture, they put the title, medium size, 20 hashtags, and then it goes out into the world. I'm guilty. Totally <laughs> guilty. <laughs> 
And the call to action doesn't have to be buy now, right? The call to action could be just saying, hey, this works available. Or I, sometimes I use the phrase from my studio to your wall. Or Oh, I like that. Could be hanging in your wall, you know, in, in a week from now, if you really love it. Or keep an eye because uh, the second one's coming or, or I'm going to release some prints or something as simple as click on my profile link, you know, if you want direct access to, to what works available. There's many ways to make a, a call to action that is not always buy now or, you know, if you don't want to use the word for sale. But you have to be intentional. The truth yeah. is that unless you're intentional, nothing happens. For many years, I wasn't intentional and um, no wonder things were not happening. Yeah. I think that's, you just gave a lot of really great examples and I'll try and pull some of them out, put them down below with the post, but it really mm -hmm. is true. Like, I think a great idea is to mm -hmm. write some of these calls to action down in like, say, Evernote, like yeah. a, um, an app or someplace that you can easily copy and paste them. So you don't have to come up with something on the fly and you just totally. remember, I've always got to go and use a call to action. Exactly. You can even do, like, if you have hashtag sets. Yeah. You can you can put before the the hashtag put a little call to action that it just comes oh, with the set. Oh, I love that idea. Right in Smart Hash app, just have like the call to action before the hashtag sets. Yeah, well, in Smart Hash it won't let you because it all has to oh, be hashtags. Yeah. Yeah, but if you sense. have a if you do like a copy paste kind of thing, yeah, have some different ideas. Yeah. Oh, I love it. That's great. On to licensing and contracts. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Licensing and contracts. Oh, this scares a lot of artists, I think. This idea yeah. of asking somebody to sign a piece of paper <laughs> mm -hmm. for some reason mm -hmm. is so intimidating. Like, will you please sign my piece of paper? Yeah. But that's all it is, right? It's a right. contract that mm -hmm. protects you, right. maybe the gallery owner, mm -hmm. and you, the artist. I mean, you're on both sides of that table. You're mm -hmm. both the gallery owner and the artist. So you've signed contracts as an artist and you've yep. given contracts as a gallery owner. That's what right. are some tips and tricks, maybe some phrases or terms that people should look for and understand and make sure they have in their contracts or licenses? You know, if you are signing a contract, first thing, always look at the fine print and make sure mm -hmm. you read the whole thing, right? Because mm -hmm. a lot of times, you know, if you go to deliver the artwork, you just sign in really quickly, you have no idea what you signed. So, you know. <laughs> Always read it. To, in, most of the time today, you know, galleries will email it to you ahead of time or so on. So you have more time to not only read it, but also store a digital copy of, of yeah. the contract. So in the case there's any... Make them happen. wait. Make them yeah. wait. Make them wait while you sit there and read it. My dad was an attorney and he always yeah. taught me. Yeah, read the darn thing. Read the whole thing and don't be afraid to ask questions. It's okay to ask questions if you yes. don't understand something. Sometimes... Especially bigger institutions, you know, the jargon that might be kind of confusing sometimes, like what? So, you know, it's okay to ask a question. Hey, you know, what does point five on the agreement means? Great advice. Things like that. Whenever you're working with a gallery, you know, in, in anything, it's always about what are you responsible for and what are they responsible for? That's the mm -hmm. bottom line, right? You have to understand what, what you're responsible for doing and whether that's where the biggest problems come in, where the artist thought, oh, I thought the gallery was going to send this or the gallery were no, I thought you were, you know, if you clear agreement should say what you're responsible for, mm -hmm. what the venue is responsible for. So mm -hmm. like shipping, everything, yeah. marketing, right, commission, sales, the image, everything. So so either when you're writing a contract, also let's say, which I just uh made a contract last last November for a big collector that I was doing a commission for. So, you mm -hmm. know, I wrote contract as well and tell them, you know, what I'm responsible for, what he's responsible for, right? It's very simple. And say, hey, you know, 
I like to always uh, write a, an agreement. So please check it out, review it. You know, I'll give him time to review it. And then mm-hmm. when you're ready, you sign it and send it back to me. And he did it. Yeah. So you do commission work too. That's another revenue stream. Um, Absolutely. In the, one of the previous podcasts, so I talked with Owen Garrett, who's the pencil neck. And he mm-hmm. does commissioned artwork for mm-hmm. these guys, these CEOs that own mining companies. And his process oh, wow. is really unique because he's a pencil artist. He's actually colorblind. Mm-hmm. So he only does wow. these grayscale drawings, but he composites them in Photoshop first. Mm-hmm. What's mm-hmm. your working process for commissions and and this contract? Like mm-hmm. um, he, for example, he would say, okay, I provide you with this Photoshop composite of your antique mining rig in this location, blah, blah, blah. And he says he literally has them sign it. And then that is what they get is a yeah, pencil drawing of that mock-up. Like how do you work? Because yeah. your work is much more abstract. Right. So, for example, in the one with Yosidio, was a guy who um, just built uh, like the house of his dream. So he had like this like twenty foot high, giant wall. So he wanted uh-huh. something big because you've seen my work. And yeah, so the 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 process figure now what the client's looking for. I never do a commission right? that does that doesn't fit to what to my style. Right. I would not. I, yeah, that's kind of what I was curious about. Yeah. No, I only do only that fits, and I do very little commissions just because my time is you know. With all the other things, I don't have a whole lot of time. I want to be able to produce, really? to produce my own work. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now, it has to kind of fit with the idea. So in this particular collector, we uh, work on different ideas. Like I use Photoshop a lot to kind of develop concepts and things. And Okay, so did you outline in the contract how many conceptual sketches he got? On this one, we did it by day. So for example, we say, okay, mm-hmm. on day one, we're going to sit together and we're going to work together. Instead of me going back and forth and sending because he was a local person. So okay. I charge him per day to put together like this whole plan. So Oh neat. Yeah. So That's we say okay. We're gonna, yeah, we're gonna sit for the whole day. So I'll charge you for my whole day being here. Mm-hmm. And uh, I took my computer, you know, I he already knew my work. So you know, we worked our sample, we created uh digitized, you know, a mock-up, took a picture of the wall, this is how it's going to look. And that oh. you know, saved a whole lot of time and I actually made more money. <laughs> Because uh, I went, I met not only, so here's the thing, right? It's not only the the one thing that you're doing, but it's the opportunity that you have to create a long-term relationship, right? I could have yes. done it digitally and say, yeah, I'll do it digitally. I'll send you some proofs. But if I have an opportunity to go and, and sit down with him, he was willing me to pay for my day of being there. Not only I get paid more because I'm sitting there the whole day, but I created uh, now a friend mm-hmm. where now I see more more work is coming. Now he wants to do more things, right? So always look at any, you have any opportunities, what else can happen after, right? And it's not just the thing yeah. that you're selling now. How do you make That's a friend? The, and a longer relationship so that you can, uh, you know, maximize the opportunity and you know, get more revenue, right, for, for your effort. Yeah. I'm curious about, you mentioned a digital mock-up just a second ago. You said you yeah. went to this guy's place, you took your computer and uh-huh. you took a photograph of the wall then yeah. were you doing sketches right there on on the fly and then you like photograph them and put them in your computer and put them on the wall yeah. so he could see them? That's or? Right. Yeah, yeah, just my phone, then transfer them, you know, to, just, yeah, use my cell phone, then transfer them really quickly. Just, they were quick mock-ups, you know, nothing mm-hmm. fancy, just just to have an idea because a big wall, just to see how thing, the thing would look. Just charcoal or color or watercolor, like... Well, in my, because my work is, uh, yeah, it's, it's heavy in um, 
like drips and things like that. So yeah, charcoal. Yeah. I use charcoal all the time too. So yeah, kind of a more like charcoal wash. Okay. Right? Now, of course, again, every artist is different. That might not work for an artist who does photorealism, right? You might need a more refined. Yeah. Well, if somebody's listening that needs a more refined process, we've got an uh, interview with John. Oh, how do I say his last name? It's a Greek name. So hard to pronounce. I'll <laughs> put a link down below. He actually stepped us through how he does commissioned work for <laughs> um, imaginative realism. Have you heard of hmm. this genre? Really, cool. mm, really, really, cool. really beautiful mm-hmm. stuff. I went to um, Iluxcon the other week, and okay. it's like the conference for science fiction and fantasy illustrators, yeah. Yeah. like That's magic awesome. cards and book mm-hmm. covers. And so he's in that genre, and he does commission so work. Cool. So I'm wow. trying to pull mm-hmm. out of each of my guests how they kind of work a little bit so that yeah. people can get different examples. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I love the idea of the charcoal wash, though. So, like, you maybe have, like, a little spray bottle or something, and you make the charcoal drool, drip. And it's just a mock-up. I say, well, by, you know, the idea is that the collector already knows my style. So yeah. uh, he knows that, it, you know, this is just pretty much we're working with form, right? So what is mm-hmm. the, the, the forms that we're going to be working with? Mm-hmm. The actual textures and things, well, you just just look at my work. That's how it's going to look. Right. But we kind of just figure out the forms that we'll be working with. And then with. do you agree on like a color scheme? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Everything. So we agree there and then, then start working. Mm-hmm. So everything goes in the contract. Now, do you get paid, Um, like, do you get a deposit? Always. Yeah. Especially if yep. it's a commission. Yeah. You should always get a commission. And that should be also included in your in your agreement. Yeah. Like 50%. Yeah, depends on what it is, but usually, yeah, at least 50%. And then, like, until the payment is received, mm-hmm. so it shouldn't, shouldn't get started. And once you have the contract, you also should do invoicing, right? Because a lot of people, especially, you know, uh, very uh, busy collectors and so on, they are, they are busy people, and sometimes they forget. It's not that they didn't want to pay or they just forgot. Yeah. So you have, if you send them an invoice as a courtesy, it's a great way to remind them in a nice way, in a professional way, hey, you know, this is due or this is coming up mm-hmm. and uh, it just makes it look more professional on your end too. What do you use for invoicing? Like QuickBooks or you just do it in PayPal or you just send a Word doc that's nicely formatted? I already have a template, so I make my own invoices. Yeah. Okay. Just make it just go in, you know, change the, the details of it, bring a new one and that's it. Yeah. I just use my regular pages. So simple. Template. You're a Mac yeah, simple, guy, simple. huh? Yeah, totally. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> totally. <laughs> So success, how do you define success? How do you measure success? How do you set some goals for yourself and then reward yourself when you hit those goals? Yeah, that's a great question. I think success is, is the one thing that, you know, because of all the social media and all the hustle and all the things that's out there, you know, that uh, we hear so much about. And I think yeah. success, as you said, we have to, I love the question because I have to define what that means for me. For me, success. Right. Is being able to wake up in the morning and um, do the things that I enjoy, you know, and also having time to spend with my family, with my wife, working together. You know, for her and I, we we uh, decided since we got married, like one day we should work together. And so cool. for the last three years or so, we've been doing a lot of things together. So that for me, you know, is part of success, right? Yeah. She's like a mindset coach, like a doctor, right? Yeah. She's a doctor in psychology. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. So yeah, she works in mindset. She she's an author as well. She works with parenting oh. and 
and children and things like that. Oh, but cool. also in their community, you know, she does wellness for artists and that's where she helps me. But um, so to me, you know, behind the scenes, you know, that's success to me to be able to work with her and do these things. Yeah. And then for me, it's also being able to produce the work that I love, that I want to make, you know, mm -hmm. the, in this case, the paintings that I imagine and that I want to make visible in the world. Yeah. That's that. And um, yeah, and, and being able to continue evolving and creating things. That's, uh, yeah, that's, that's what it is for me. Oh, that's wonderful. You know, I just think we as artists sometimes look at other people on social media and we see they've got, you know, a million followers or they've got this or that or the other thing and that we're not doing enough, that we're not working hard mm -hmm. enough or, you know, success really is individual. Totally. Yeah, totally. And I think you yeah. have to look at it and reward yourself and celebrate your successes. I know one of the things right. I'm guilty of is not putting out there, oh, I sold a piece or I did this mm -hmm. or I did that enough, you know, celebrating and sharing those successes mm -hmm. with the world. Mm -hmm. And I think because sometimes a lot of artists feel like, you know, that's kind of like being bragging, bragging, right? <laughs> bragging. But, and that, but that's where the story comes in, right? If you accompany that post with a little story of, you know, what it was like to sell the work or how exciting this, this then that changes everything. Yes, yes, yes. I love that advice. Yeah. If you can wrap it in a story, mm -hmm. it's not, it's not bragging. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's like, you know, you're just excited for something and you should be. And, uh, you know, why not? Yeah. You've worked hard. Yeah, Artwork and you know, is work. And you know what? For those who have purchased work from you, it's good that they see that you continue to sell. Yeah. Because they've made an investment in your career. And if Absolutely. you do well, their artwork maybe might get more valuable, right? Yeah. And, and they'll be excited for you. And, they'll, you know, they'll be proud to have that piece in their, in their wall. Yeah. Yeah, totally. All right. So if you have any books you would recommend, any books you, and it doesn't even have to be art related or it could be, I mean, you have your, your awesome download, you have this uh, free artist survival kit, yeah. organization mm -hmm. and productivity for the working artist. Um, that's a pretty cool book that you guys should totally get. But are there any books that you love, you would give as a gift that you totally think everybody should have in their library? Yeah, well, I think, you know, when it comes to social media and, and the way the world changes so fast and so on, there's a book that really, really made me totally change my approach. And that's when I started, after I read the book, like, well, that's when I'm going to start Breakfast with Sergio. And the, now it has evolved into many other things. It's by uh, Gary Vaynerchuk, which, mm -hmm. you know, is an entrepreneur. He has the book that's called Jab, Jab, Right Hook. Like, give, mm. give, give, and then ask, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's what it is. You know, Breakfast with Sergio is about giving. You, know, you just give, give, give. And, you know, that's a way in which people will get to know me, will get to see my work as well. Mm -hmm. So that's a great book, Jab, Jab, Right Hook by Gary Vaynerchuk. Highly recommend it. It's not an art book. It's a strictly marketing book in uh -huh. uh, the world today. Very cool. I like that. All right. Anything else you want to tell our audience? Well, Erin, I just want to say thank you so much again for all you're doing as well for this beautiful podcast, for, you know, also bringing the story of others and, you know, for sharing uh, what's uh, working with artists right now. Because I think the more we share, the more we grow. I always say that when one artist wins, we all win. Yeah. Well, you know, Sergi, I really related to you with all your stories. Um, I listened to the one about 
teaching because I was a professor for 12 years and then I left okay. to have children. Awesome. And um, in all that time, I was always asking the question, how do you make a living as an artist? How do you get a job <laughs> as an artist? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've had so many students that have had amazing successes, but I've had a lot mm-hmm. of students that have also given up. And yeah. it's like, so that's kind of why I started this podcast was to find the common thread, to find the mm-hmm. secret between yeah. all the different arts of what works. And um, right. really, I'm trying to summarize a lot of information, <laughs> Yeah, but I sure I'm enjoying doing it. I'm enjoying doing the research, talking to all you guys. And I'm That's really awesome. enjoying putting it all together. Thank you, and Thank you for all you do. That's awesome. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you, because you and I are running parallel. I love it. Yeah. And, and of course, I want to invite our friends to, uh, if you, they want to check out my breakfast show, just find me on Instagram at Sergio Gomez Art. Yes, it's, it's good. I love your breakfast. I want to come have Thank coffee. You. You're not that far from me, about seven hours, I think. No, maybe oh, eight or more. I'm in Central <laughs> PA, so... Uh, okay, very good, very yeah. good. <laughs> and if you guys are in Chicago, drop by the gallery, right? Exactly. Anytime. Wait, wait, you only sell online. Are you open to the public? Yeah, so the way it works, so my gallery, 30 Contemporary Gallery, is uh, part of an art center. It's called the Joby Art Center. Okay. And that's where I curate the exhibition. So the art center is open Monday through Saturday, 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. There's different exhibitions every, uh-huh. every or pretty much year-round that you can go and check out. We have a pretty cool one coming up opens up in, the, uh, in January 17. And uh, so, yeah, that is open to the public. Now, my gallery, in terms of the sales of our work, we do it exclusively through artsy.net. Mm-hmm. That's we have all our inventory because we most of our buyers are actually not from Chicago. And um, so really? it's, it's been a great move for us to go to art through artsy.net. And it's just been the, the probably the best thing we've done uh, recently. Very cool. And I got one more question about your gallery because I'm just thinking of it now. So sorry to tag it at the end, but no, how do good. you staff it and how do you basically like run your gallery and do all this? Do you have opportunities for interns and how do people submit? How do they get involved? Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's, so there's definitely, yeah, I work with interns uh, for here from the local Colleges and universities all the time, which has been great. And awesome. my, gallery, my gallery has evolved. I never had like the idea of, okay, I want to make a gallery that looks like everybody else's gallery. So uh, it has evolved over the years. I'm always changing. I'm always trying things. So that's why, for example, we went from a full exhibition calendar of, uh, you know, year round to now we only have like maybe two exhibits a year because now we're doing online ex- exhibits. Because right now we have focused the gallery again exclusively for um, figurative art, mm-hmm. and so we decided to really hone in into something and a so really you specific the niche. Yeah, specific type of collector as well. We are advertising with specific magazines and things like that. So oh, okay, you do advertise. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. So we are we are and um, es- exclusively, you know, selling online on artsy.net we also partnered with poets and artists magazine which is, is also is within the same niche what is it uh, poets and artists magazine poets and artists yeah poets and artists on, it's online as well and they okay. organize they organize shows worldwide and uh, so it's been a great partnership right working together so we provide that uh, space where we can sell art directly to collectors and you know i can really easily add more exhibitions but because our collector base is everywhere. It's not only here. So 
it just makes total sense to do less exhibitions and try to sell more online because when we sell more, we help more artists to make more art than when we give them more exhibitions. Right. I love so it. That, that, that's the bottom line. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Now, I'm not saying, and the way I balance it, right, because I believe in the in the power of exhibitions and the, the power that an exhibit has and people looking at art. That's why I'm still very active as a curator, mm-hmm. uh, year-round curating exhibitions for the Art Center, which is an institution, and that allows me to then to play around with the commercial end on my gallery. Very cool. Well, this has been really informative. Thank you very much. Thank you, Erin. Thank you so much for the, for the invitation. Oh, thanks for joining me. Well, that's it for the Artist Appeals. I hope you've enjoyed it as much as I've enjoyed recording it. I just love talking with all these artists and business people. It's phenomenal, and I've learned so much. I hope you've learned something, too. You can get more information You can check out some of the links that we talked about in these podcasts at theartistappeals.com. That's theartistappeals, A-P-P-E-A-L-S.com. Thanks and have a good one.